Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, our first podcast of 2023, so hope you're having a great new year. We are a wine podcast that goes beyond the subjective tasting notes of candied blueberries and fresh cut garden hose. No, we go to the soul of what's behind the bottle. We highlight the people, the places, the stories that collide to make this wine possible. And all this in a wine region that's at the top of the game now, and that is Paso Robles Wine Country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Okay, so much going on. I'm excited to partner up with Travel Paso again for the new year in our Travel Paso Spotlight. This will give us an extra layer of Paso that is often sometimes outside of wine, not all the time, but always equally effective at convincing you your next trip here cannot be soon enough. Today, we're chatting with Michelle Barrera from At Her Table. She's known for running the immensely popular IG handle at Enjoy Slow on Instagram. You should give them a follow. Comment that you heard her here. But she started a great organization called At Her Table, which literally is a seven-day food festival celebrating women here. Their mission is to bring awareness and support to women-owned and co-owned businesses in the food and beverage industry right here on the Central Coast. They have some events early March, so I'm going to whet your appetite and then give you plenty of time to plan your visit during At Her Table, which this year is March 6th through 12th. So can't wait to introduce you to Michelle later on. Before that, I'm really excited to talk to these two gentlemen today. We got Josh Beckett from Thibodeau, also Peachy Canyon, Chronic Fame, and Randy Heinzen from Vineyard Professional Services. Josh has been on to talk Peachy Canyon before. His history is definitely rich here. And he was one of literally the first dudes to take me around, introduce people, connect me with folks when I started doing interviews like this, gosh, like over 12 years ago. He was my second Cork Dorks episode. He's been so kind to me this whole time, and I always love sharing time and space with him. He and his wife, Gibsy's new brand, Thibodeau, is kicking ass right now, and I can't wait to share with you all about it. Randy Heinzen is all about the vineyards, baby. He came to us from Napa, and he's the real deal. Randy is immensely smart and good at what he does, but he's just a good guy. He shoots you straight. For me, he paints things in ways I can totally understand, even though he's forgotten more about all of this stuff that I will ever know. And you're going to pick up a lot today if you pay attention to what Randy says, including one thing he says about vineyards that flies right in the face with a lot of vineyard marketing we've been told over the years. I was mind blown he said this, and you'll, uh, you'll have to hear it for yourself. He also gives us a real inside look onto all that rain, and there was a lot of it, right, that went down here recently. He and Josh both do, so excited to talk about that as well. It was so cool. He even brought me, which I thought was a great gift. He got me these really nice socks that say VPS for his business on there. Uh, They're a cool pattern, super nice material. I mean, this is a great gift from one dude to another. So Randy has got great gift game. Thank you for the socks, my man. I'm wearing them right now. Both guys are also board members of the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about what role that entails and the direction they see Paso going in 2023, besides, obviously, up. I also have to thank Adam Lazar of Broadside and, of course, Lazar Wines for opening his loft up to us to record downtown. It's so nice in here. And you heard him on the last Veterans Day episode. He said, if you ever want to use the loft, you're more than welcome. Well, I took him up on it, and he was so kind and thoughtful, a great host. And uh, thank you, Adam and Broadside, for letting us record this podcast in your loft downtown. We come into the conversation, Josh and Randy were referencing the last time Josh was on the podcast when we were talking about Peachy and 
how they dialed in their vineyards and scaled back on distribution a bit. Let's get right into it. Give me that moonshine, woogie bow, we bounce all around till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. We only have four wines for the broad market now. Where we were really taking like twelve. Oh, yeah, right? and we have four core wines for the broad market, and which then are we have incredible red, West Side, Cirque du Vin, and a Petit Syrah. No more misbehave, huh? That's for the tasting room only. That's cool. Not that's, broad that's market. That's the Malbec. But we still do the Malbec. So we have three blocks of Malbec at the winery, or two at the winery, one on Forty Six. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it dry farmed head from Malbec. The house. That's not the smartest. Uh, yeah, I'll just leave what, it What is head prune Malbec not a good idea? No, it's a pretty upright variety. I just Malbec has a it's it's a alternate bearing crop, so every couple of years it just gives you nothing and then the next year it gives you everything and then some. Well, it'll give you a jungle yes. with no fruit. Yeah, the nothing year the nothing years it's a good looking vine. It's just really it's it's uh it's mind boggling. So how do people do these big broad market Malbecs? A lot of acreage, I think. Yeah. A lot. Especially the international ones, right? Yeah. I mean, we're doing like 350 cases, but I have, I think, s- seven Mal- or eight acres of it. Is like, Malbec hot? Oh. Do people, like, they're, they're rapid? I mean, they're caring about it. I mean, you know, like, there's these cyclical waves, right? Is Zin hot? Is Zin kind of in a cooler place? Uh, is Malbec hot? I don't think so. No? But. Yeah, from a grape sales standpoint, if... if Cab is short, Malbec's hot because everyone needs to extend their Cabernets for their blends. If Cab's good and you have, you know, having a, a otherwise bountiful year, you can't find a Malbec buyer. I mean, they'll, they'll buy everything else before Malbec. That's so interesting. <laughs> I'm going to learn so much <laughs> right now. This is so cool. Thanks, guys, for hanging out here. Look at this. How do yeah. you guys like the loft, huh? I when we were out, we were talking about where should we meet? Where should we meet? Like, uh,. Maybe Randy's first. Yeah. And then you're like, well, how about this? Like, yeah, Adam no. Lazar and Broadside opened up their loft. And he said, when we recorded with him, he's like, you ever need a, a spot to record people downtown, something central for folks to get to? Let me know. I got you. And man, like, I don't know if he thought I was going to take him up on it, but I, know. I did. Here we are. And it's a beautiful spot. Is this the first time ever recording here? Uh, well, I recorded when I did Lazar and Broadside. Sure, sure. And uh, Melanie from Boniche. It's just great to have you guys here. Man, I think the first thing we got to get out the way is this conversation about the weather because it has been just nuts. You know, I've been talking to John Lindsay, who in this area is a very well-respected, just recently retired meteorologist, and uh, he's been coming on my morning show a bunch. And we haven't seen things like this in decades, and it almost harkens back to like, you know... We had something going on in like 1862 that was, you know, worse than this. But I mean, just we're seeing crazy weather right now. You know, I think the the it's not just the amount of rain we got, but the timing of having all this rain in succession with a pretty good kind of end of November, early December rain. What happened was with the, it all hit ground that is already somewhat saturated, or at least it, you know was was filling up with water, and just seeing that volume in a short period of time. Some soils had the ability to take it in, but a lot of our soils just couldn't. It, it couldn't absorb it fast enough. It also, you're seeing a lot of like beds and creeks that were just like clogged. 
they're clogged with debris. And, I mean, Tablas Creek, where we saw an Adelaide Road or the Chimney Rock area, we saw sinkholes that were incredible. We saw rushes of water that looked like it was biblical, you know, and it was just crazy what we kind of saw out there. Do you, I mean, look, we're about to get another big storm for the next few days. I don't know if it's going to be that big, but uh, are there certain things that we could have done to fare better in that or what? Yeah, so in in preparing for for rain, preparing for a winter season, at least in the vineyards, uh, what we do is we try and plant a cover crop seed in in Paso for many of these many years, and especially the last couple of years, when you plant a seed, it makes sense. You need a little bit of water to get it to grow. Then you want a dry period so it actually can establish itself, then bring on the rains. Um, last couple of years, that wasn't uh, possible. We just didn't have early enough rains to get those seeds germinated. Thankfully, this year, those early rains got all the grasses up, got our barley up, our legumes. Um, so that really helps. If you can have a green growing cover crop, and that's sort of the grasses, if you will, between the vines that you see in, in all the photos, that'll help slow water, infiltrate it, absorb it, kind of keep it there for next spring. So from what we've seen in photos and, and driving around, looks like most folks got their cover crops established. And then there's also some active measures like straw waddles, hay bales. I think Joel at the PRWCA calls them hay snakes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know you're great, talking about this. Yeah, it's a great marketing term, right? He's, but not a vineyard term. But um, <laughs> the idea being, it, it, with all this rain, you, you want to keep it in place. You want to slow it, settle any any sediment that might be traveling in it, um, keep water at a reasonable pace. Because as water increases in velocity, it's also increasing in its ability to scour or dig into that earth. And that's what makes those big channels. When you make big channels, that's what delivers all that dirt into the creeks. That makes it muddy. And that then now you're just generating this huge force of, of material and brush and soil that just pounds into anything. I mean, wa- water is going to win. Water is going to go where it wants to go. Nature is still undefeated. Um, you know, we, we've we've come to be prepared for a lot of these storms. But when in an event like what we just had, it's you don't prepare for that magnitude of an event. Yeah, the pictures that you see, especially the aerial ones, are are pretty wild. Josh, how did you fare both at the winery, the the vineyards, and even at home? For crying out loud, we we uh, Morro Bay is a whole nother conversation. That was oh, you're Morro Bay. Morro Bay. Oh, so, so you, did you lose power? Some, we lost power for almost thirty hours. The flooding wow. was. I have pictures on my phone. The coastline, the dunes, the dunes along the coast from Morrowind to Cayucas. I've never seen them. What they look like, the blowouts and stuff are pretty cool, pretty amazing. Wow. Um, and here we fared very well. We fortunately, and it was a timing thing. I, I, I've handed over the winemaking at Peachy Canyon to Drew Phillips, who's been for like five years. So I've been focusing more on the vineyards, which gave me the ability for timing to plant those cover crops and mm-hmm. those, get those hay bales ready and those wattles, which a lot of times some people, it's coming, you're finishing up harvest. If you're a small mom and pop winery that has your own vineyard and your own winery and everything. And sometimes you don't get in to do that cover crop seed or you've planted them for the last five years and it's just blown <laughs> away. And you're like, I am sick of throwing this money away. But yeah, we got it. We nailed it. I've, my Thibodeau vineyard, the property over on Kyler Canyon, you know, when I put that vineyard in, in 18, 1819, that was the last time it kind of had a decent rain. And I made a lot of friends really fast that weren't too happy with me on Kyler Canyon with how much mud and rock that literally the rocks just like floated down Kyler and across the neighbors and cut people's properties up and driveways and wow um I was out there quite a few weekends cleaning it up and Man. the county was super cool with me because I was there always trying and with a couple of my 
guys at the winery helping. And I never even thought of that. Like when an act of God or Mother Nature uh, takes some of these things that are on your property and through your neighbors, yeah. you have some sort of accountability, I yeah. guess. Oh, yeah. Or even, I don't even know how legal, but I'm just saying like, you just want to be a good neighbor, obviously. Well, yeah, it's a neighborly thing. And fortunately, I did have a few neighbors out there that were would call me like, hey, you got to get out here again. And then I had some others that weren't too happy. But in the end, because I was trying at least and it, wor- it worked out Do you okay. bring them over a bottle of Thibodeau? And I brought a lot of wine. I was like putting them on people's driveways. Like, <laughs> no way, really? Oh my gosh. You know, Man. But probably one of the better results from that was this storm, I'm guessing you were way more prepared. You knew your weak points in the ranch. Yep. I mean, it was a brand new vineyard yeah. when that happened. You brand just new. developed that. It had yeah. been in grassland before. So yep. part of what nature teaches us continually is where we've maybe extended beyond where the footprint should have been, planted an area a little too cold, a little too high, a little too wet. And then it helps you as a farmer understand, okay, in subsequent vintages, this is where I will put this more armor, I, this is where I'll rip-wrap this, I'll put a drum, you know, I'll put yeah. some containers there, and yep. I'm sure, did it all stay in place during this storm? I haven't had a pebble move. Yeah. And that's something? It's mind-boggling, actually, and yeah, knock on wood, it was... In, in growing and understanding farming, Randy, is there... Is there any sort of artisanship to it, or is it all just fundamental in farming? How much of it is maybe this kind of in, in, like it's intrinsic you know, kind of connection that you strive to have with the earth? Yeah, I thought you were going one direction. I, one of my favorite questions we get on vineyard tours is when people ask you, did you have to get a college degree for what you do? Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, there actually is science behind all this. Um, the, the mantra we like to say is, is actually farming... You can be proactive, but those who live in the world of being proactive and and have too much, let's just say, too much faith in their their sufficiency of being proactive are the ones that get taught a a lesson from nature. So to, to us, the best farmers are reactive farmers, and those are the ones who have seen issues in the vineyard, have experienced failure, have experienced a problem and, and how they react and then are able to react quickly. They're also listening. Fix it. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they see what nature is doing and pushing them in which ways and being reactive to how nature is, is helping you understand your, your total farm system. That That's where you really, uh, that's where you make your pay and as a farmer. I know, you know, this hardly needs to be an advertisement for what you do at Vineyard Professional Services because, I mean, I know you guys aren't even, you know, taking on people right now. You are stacked with a, a lot of responsibility um what are people doing wrong now what what are some things that you see that are like gosh man if i you know little little bits a little bit of a nugget into what, what you see a lot you're like man that is a loaded question what are people doing wrong I, I would say um again in the context of this huge rainstorm we just had it was a, a complete anomaly you usually do not have water at that volume and that space of time kind of just rain down on you and move things around that said, winter work um, in vineyards is generally a bad idea to be disking, to be tilling your soil, to be doing a whole lot of maybe vineyard development or staking. And, and in fact, in other regions, it's, it's, it's not allowed. There's actually um, periods of time between October and April where they don't allow you to go in and work your earth. Again, these are areas with a lot more rainfall, a lot more concern about erosion. So if you were to ask me relative to this area what what we could improve on it it would probably be having a greater sense of of um the potential for rain to do to move your soil off site to do lasting damage to your field and to maybe stay out of it when when we approach wet months 
farmers have, you know, we're, we're always reacting to things. We're always trying to take advantage of opportunities or, man, we have two more weeks. We can get out there, do a little bit more work. It's tough for us here in Paso because we've become so accustomed to dry winters that the workload and, and how we organize our teams, we've traditionally worked all throughout the winters because we've been able to, and we've been able to do great things without damage. So I think rains, you know, rainstorms like what we just had are a good reminder that the, that we need to have a healthy respect of, of the damage that winter storms could do and to winterize our ranches maybe a little more securely. That's Randy Heinzen, uh, Vineyard Professional Services. We also got Josh Beckett from, of course, we've talked Peachy Canyon with Josh. Uh, we've talked Chronic with Josh and now Thibodeau. This is a, a new project where you are diving in, especially from um, a vineyard side of things, uh, you and your wife got some new property and are making some new wines. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I had a comment about your. What you're oh, please, oh, yeah. Her. And sometimes maybe it's okay if we wait six or eight months to get something done. Like sometimes new new ownership of a new property, they want to slam in a vineyard so fast. It's like slow your roll. What's funny? Half a you year said that. is half a year is okay. Yeah, like, wise words. You used to own Chronic Cellars. Yep. Started with your brother. You sold that off. Yep. And then we had you on maybe a year and change ago yep. when you came in to Peachy. Uh, run Peachy Canyon yep. for your parents that were retiring. Yep. Yeah. So we're it'll, that'll be three years in April. Essentially. Yeah. So two Peachy two point we refer to it as right. Right. Nice. So yeah, we've been doing Peachy two point for three years and then my wife and I have always wanted to have our own I've always wanted to really start from scratch on a vineyard you know fortunately I grew up here in Paso my parents have acquired property over time and have put in vineyards and or purchased property with vineyards I really wanted to say I did this I went and found the property I picked every varietal every rootstock the layout the design everything was what why was that important did you feel like things were given to you before that? You know, things have been done very, you know, very fortunate to have family that has brought us into this business and showed us the business. But and, they did make it, you earn it in a lot of ways, too. I have been there like my they, whole life, right. essentially. I, you know, I went to college to go do one thing, and now I'm back here doing this. And I like wasn't everyone knows, you guys it. paid your dues. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? So, been, but there was something about this aspect that felt like I really want to, and especially with Gibsy, with your wife, yeah, like I really want to do this. I want to play our roots. I want to grab the, I want to walk in there and touch the dirt and feel it and, yeah. and makes this is what I want. This is, and you know, I was over years of purchasing fruit all over the AVA. I had an idea of where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, the wines I wanted to produce or have friends produce um, from purchasing the fruit. So yeah, we went out, we found this piece of property out on Kyler Canyon. We've, we, I, you walked and kicked the dirt a couple of times and it was right time, right place. Like I was literally, I was on Zillow in the car driving to visit the in-laws, you know, just pulling up, you know, what's available in Paso. <laughs> Are vineyards on Zillow? No, this piece of property though, it was oh, just really? bare dirt came uh. up and it actually ended up being a family that I knew as a kid and they had just, they were done with Paso. Their yeah. daughter had moved to Texas. They wanted to move to Texas and they threw it up. And they're I done with California. They're Calif- not done with Paso. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're done with California. Um, and they wanted to go. I saw it right away and we just happened to, I mean, it was right oh. time, right place. Yeah. Um, Clouds parted. And it was right there where I used to come through Kyler Canyon, you know, on uh, Old Settler Road to Peachy Canyon growing up as a kid. So I ran in those hills all the time. And where Ecluses, that's where we started when we were Tobias before Peachy. And that's, oh, wow. there's all this kind of 
little history right no there. No way. Even. So I look over there all the time. I'm like, maybe someday I'll mm -hmm. uh, keep moving, keep pulling um, the claws and getting into something else. But we wanted to start our own vineyard. And essentially, I just wanted to farm grapes and sell them to my friends and and this and sell it to Peachy because I did plant some Zin for Peachy. I'm like, we're gonna have the most badass vineyard designate Zin off this piece. Because <laughs> I mean, fruit is getting harder and harder to find, right? And then it's not getting cheaper. And so if I could do that as almost a give back to the family as well, like, sure. This is a Zin you won't lose. Right. Nobody's gonna come and take it. It's uh -huh. in the family. We can keep it. And then I want to plant these other varietals that I want to make. Good and for I you. Do. Um, and so we started, you know, I did it for as the vineyard became established and as I saw what the, it was looking like and the fruit was looking like, I was like, well, wait a minute, maybe I want to try to make wine off this as well. And been, I mean, it's been a lot of effort to get to this point. Let's, let's see what we can do with it as well. We'll still sell some. Still, so, so making your own wine wasn't in the original plan. It was not plan. the original plan. Oh, no, really? I just wanted to have the, I like, I was pulling weeds today before we came here. I was I was cleaning up my little uh, my little uh, roots. You know what is it? I have all my cuttings that are give a little nursery. Yeah, my little nursery. I was cleaning out that you know because the ground is super soft right now with all this rain. Very weeds easy. just pop right out. It's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's therapy too. Just right. Pull weeds. Uh -huh. um, but I just wanted to farm, and then all of a That's sudden so cool. he's like, "Oh no, I want to make wine off this." And still sold some fruit this year. You know, I sold to Peachy the Zen, and then. Torin, the Scott and Vakel bought some, and Stanley and Elena over at Top bought some. Really? And, yeah, cool. Um, Mac bought some over at Quick Price. So kind of putting some of the gurus out there to see what they can do off it right. too. Right. Cool. Do, do you cool. find, especially names like those who are very keen and certainly deliberate about what they already know they want, mm -hmm. do you find them asking you a lot of questions, probing, how are we farming, what are we doing, blah, blah, blah. Can I get this row? Or like, is it a little it's bit of like... It's, it's yes. It's in, in, I'm not, you know, I don't know hardly, Randy's forgotten more than I know in the vineyards, you know, and, and with even the winemaking, because we get rutted or in our own ways and yeah. to be able to talk with those guys and they're buying fruit from other growers. And so they're asking me questions about what they're seeing at other vineyards. So I'm taking that all in too. I'm like, this is education for me as well. Like, it's like, I don't know everything about my vineyard, even though I know everything from where it is today, because we did it from the ground up, but yeah, that's part of the reason of bringing other people in too to see what they know, what they want, and if I can do it, and and you know to make the best fruit possible. Yeah, it's so interesting. Both of you have a unique lens where you have been able to not only get an understanding of your home estate, but I mean, Randy, you've you know dozens and dozens, over sixty vineyards that you have brought in from infancy and developed. You know, and and you're you have a. I mean, we could talk about all 11 sub-AVAs and you would know exactly what is best where and how each fared in probably this most recent weather system. And, and Josh, like you mentioned, whether it was chronic or peachy, I mean, you have a unique look at getting fruit and all of what Paso has kind of grown into yep. that, I mean, these pieces of information are, are invaluable. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have bought, you know, as fruit as far as mine to as far as French camp and Santa Margarita to San Miguel for, for many years. And then to go, okay, I, that worked, that works, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Now here's my own little teeny vineyard and let's take all of that and put it into What this. do we want to grow there? What do we want to grow? Yeah, exactly. what are we, so uh, what did you guys decide on? Um, so for 
to for peachy for the zit i did three different clones of zin um and i did one of those blocks own rooted which kind of taken it old school you know wasn't maybe not be the smartest thing for when my kids go what What's up with this block? Randy, are his kids going to be upset with him? <laughs> what are the dead sticks, Dad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is this whole block dead? <laughs> but so far, the fruit's phenomenal. I mean, I was able to get wood from the Uberoth vineyard for that Zen block, so Ooh. which is kind of That's cool. an old school Passover. Yeah. Um, and then two Sonoma clones of Zen. And then I did two different clones of Syrah, Grenache, Moved, Carignan, and Petit Syrah. Carignan, that's a fun one, isn't it? Yeah. That's the sound. Are you going to do a single bottle? Yeah. Really? So with, you know, as we talk more about the Thibodeau, the 2021s, I have uh, Carignan in barrel. That's going to be I follow you guys on Insta after we first started connecting and talking about this. I think my first taste was maybe last year's Wine Fest, but right. you've already started to pull in some... Some decent press. Accol- yeah, yeah, some so, accolades and yeah, press. Yeah, super pumped. That's it's, pretty cool, it's, dude. Uh, the Thibodeau concept, so Thibodeau is my mom's maiden name. Um, oh, your no, mom's made my name. mom's not Gypsies, not Gypsies. Got it. My okay. Mom. So my grandparents were like super philanthropists, really giving back to the community with the Boys and Girls Club and you know and um, donations and blah, blah blah in Southern California. And they, my parents, I think they helped my mom when she was young and when she got married. And you know, so we I wanted to kind of do an ode to her, per se, you know, and recognize what she's done. You know, everybody knows Peachy. Everyone knows the Beckett family, or everybody really knows Doug Beckett, especially if you've followed Paso lines, right? And and it's you know Peachy's history. So kind of owed to the family. We do one percent for the planet. We do must charities, you know. So how can we our little teeny brand that's all of two hundred and fifty cases right now, and it's going to go to three hundred and fifty in twenty one? It's like balling, sweet. Um, my grandparents would be super excited. You know, and, and so I have, and some relatives have ordered it, which is cool. You know, and I have a, I went and did a, um, I have a cousin that has in Bozeman. And has a, a Montana? bar, in Montana, and wow. brought it in to have you know no his way. wine in his bar and wine and beer is shop. Does he change the label just slightly? Or changes it back to his name. <laughs> Dude, we'll print you off. We'll print you off thirty cases when it's spelled right. that way. Yeah, whatever. Right. That's pretty good. That's so funny. Yeah, so, um, so for a grower vineyard, if that was your original intent, yeah. it sounds like it's a you got a whole menagerie of varieties and clones. So it must be really small plantings of each of these. Yeah, it's kind of a winemaker's vineyard. Not yeah. really a grower's to sell fruit vineyard. So I kind of did it wrong if it was just to sell fruit. Yeah. Because I, it, there are. They're like one-acre blocks. Yeah. Was that a subliminal part that knew you were always going to make wine Pretty out of much. it? Yeah, I think <laughs> basically so. forced his hand. Yes. Right. Oh, oh Gypsy, sorry. sorry. Yeah, I guess right. we're going to do a brand. <laughs> We see. Uh, we're not we making see. any money selling yeah. it. So right. Acre to acre and a half, two acre kind of yeah. blocks. Yeah, what do you think of some of those varieties he chose, Randy? Like was, Carignan, things like that. Apart from the Carignan, I'd say that, that that's an outstanding mix. Um, Why not the Carignan? Well, let's talk the positives first. But yes, okay. So, <laughs> and I know that I have Carignan planted in another vineyard. I've experienced those negatives. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, so... You know, I think last time you and I talked on air, Adam, it was about virus management and and looking at vineyard resiliency. So much good feedback on that. It was such an enlightening conversation. So what he has planted, most of those are fairly resilient in the face of virus pressure. They can handle virus. They still can ripen. They can... The canopies look good. Um, there, there are certain varieties on our hit list that we just caution growers that, hey, you can plant it, but if you sneeze near it, it's going to get sick, and now you're stuck with a, a replant site. So I would say that, that Grenache Blanc, that, that's a 
that's a great variety to have. Syrah is great. Zin is bulletproof in our area. Carignan, uh, for every bullet that bounces off Zin, it, it just magnetically goes straight into the Carignan's heart. <laughs> I mean, it, it is... It's the it's funny enough. It's literally the canary. It's the canary in your vineyard. You would plant it in some of our organic ranches. You plant it so that you know when the rest of the ranch is at risk for for, wow. mildew, for mildew because it's going to get mildew first. It's going to you know drop color first. It's going to it, it's a prolific producer. It's a fantastic can make a fantastic wine. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt to grow. Interesting. What's well, funny because you know. Everything he's saying, sometimes you're going to have a winemaker or a project. You're just like, well, shoot, I want Carignan. Everybody wants it. I have people drive by all the time. They're like, what do you plan? Oh, can I get some of that? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed some of the pains in the ass that he has uh, noted? Uh, I So we do at Peachy's Vineyard. Um, I have some head-pruned, dry-farmed Carignan. Yeah. And it, but I, cannot, I can't stop the mildew. It's yeah, amazing. It's it's and it, it's really tough. And we'll do... We'll open the canopy as much as we can. We'll hit it with fungicide as much as we can. We'll hit it pre, you know, bud break. We'll do winter spray on it, and it'll still mildew. And you know, and and so we are using. We're not using conventional material, which is you know doesn't help. So we're using this organic stuff that's not as potent, right? Which exactly. makes it a lot harder. Yeah. But what do you say in cases like this? Like, well, we, we sometimes at some point you have to say planting this at this place in this exact point. Maybe it's just doesn't work. Maybe it's going to be more of a pain in the ass and a reward. Yeah, I would say that that Paso is blessed because for the climate we have, the diversity of soils we have, the, the range of varieties that can grow here is almost limitless. I mean, you, you get onto the further edges of, you know, Germanic whites and, and maybe some really hot stuff in the Mediterranean. But other everything in the middle of that, this is a sweet spot for almost all of them. Once you've once you can, uh, you know, once you've decided on a variety you want, you want a wine style, Adam says, I want to make a Carignan to, to complement your peak pool. Fine, we can do that for you, but you've now tracked yourself into, okay, we need the exact right site to minimize the hassles it's going to be to grow it. I, I could put Carignan on any vineyard we have right now, and we could grow it, and we probably could get it mildew-free, but the cost to do it, the energy, the stress and, and versus the higher and better use maybe of another variety that that is going to do even better on that side or is going to have a more marketable appeal that that's where it comes down to is is if you said you want carignan on a site if the carignan is going to make a fantastic wine uh for for josh we can do it we're just going to caution you that it's going to break your heart at some point let's say it, we're able to just figuratively uh rip that carignan out and we put anything you think might do better where that is. What are you putting in there? You could choose one thing. Grenache. Really? Grenache is just great here, isn't it? Not only is it great historically, I mean, you're tasting some of the better Grenaches across the world. Not only is it great now in terms of some of the wines coming from Paso, but Grenache is a variety that when you look at climate change and you look at trying to make a vineyard that can withstand heat waves, cool periods, can moderate its own growth, can be made in a style that's rosé to still to sweet, it is a Swiss army knife for what, for, for a changing weather, uh, you know, for a changing climate in the future. I think it's already the most planted varietal in the world, right? Would you think so? Yeah, it used to be Aryan, right? That was the big Spanish one. Um, it's up there. Yeah. And maybe with, like you talked about, things with climate change and stuff, maybe maybe it will be, or if it's not already, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I, I, think, I think Grenache makes a brilliant wine. This yeah. is 100% Grenache, best day rosé. This rosé is so good. 
Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I'm, a Grenache rosé is just like oh, that and I like Moved rosés too. Yeah, like that. Also on my new go list. Really? Why? Why Moved? Uh, late ripening, um, drops all its leaves like a like a wimp, and then the face of any virus. Um, yeah, I, again, amazing wines. Right, you could sell it all day long. People are always it's asking us for Westside right. Moved. It's a but, great blender, even when you do, when you do it right on its own. It's fun. Yeah, but so so. This year, well, we even had a bit of coolness at, at the end of October, but three of the previous five years, we had October frost around here. And Movedra's not ready till first week of November, second week of November. Mm. And so you, you're hanging yourself out there at risk of inclement weather with, with Moved. And again, virus-wise, and I've talked to Jason at, at Tablas about this quite a bit. I mean, it's of the Rhone varieties that he's seen and he would know he's seen all of them yeah, yeah um, it, it's likely the worst with red blotch is so, that right so it's been it's a difficult one yeah what do you think grows better than anything else like it was almost made to be here I wonder if Petit Syrah <laughs> like is there a varietal that is just like it is just so perfect here it's just it's hard to mess it up would Petit Syrah be the one no what do you think Beckett Cab I, I, I would lean. You don't have to think of a couple. Way. We don't have to say one. I, I was going to say Syrah, but okay, uh, yeah, Syrah, yeah. And I and I think Syrah because of the nuances of of cool climate to warm climate and some of the changes we mm. see throughout Paso. I think that you know I grew Syrah um, up in the Sonoma Mountains. I grew it in Napa Valley. Um, good Syrah, decent Syrah, um, but I, I don't think there's any place that can make better Syrah. And Paso Robles, and it's unfor- and, and unfortunately, it's actually acreage is not going up. I mean, it's it's yeah. static or maybe dropping a yeah. bit. Um, so it's I, it's fascinating that that Syrah doesn't have a greater toehold. But I think that directly speaks to what Josh has to do is talk about amazing Paso Syrah in the marketplace. And I don't know what that that looks like. It's definitely getting harder and harder to find if if you can't even find it. Hmm. I mean, if you if you got it, you hold it close, and you just be willing to pay. As it's getting tougher and tougher. And I, now that you said that about when I said cab and in the Syrah, and I go, I, as you go that way, the cab doesn't get as good where a Syrah does. It's like a West. West. Right. Yeah. And, but I've gotten Syrah all the way at French camp. Yeah. Too, and it's been phenomenal. So, yeah. The French camp or the Highlands District. Yeah, Paso Highlands. Yeah, which is east side. And, yep. Um, but that's so interesting. Or is it just because, cat, I mean, Syrah is so resilient in, in the, the different climates it can succeed in? Yeah, it's not as resilient as Grenache. It actually has the exact opposite leaf operation as Grenache. <laughs> but it, it still has good yielding capacity. Um, I think the, the flavor profile, though, is what, what I, when you ask what grows best here, to me, like the fact that you can taste sight more in Syrah than maybe a lot of the other varieties, I think that's what would intrigue me and say that that's got to be the best one here because you can, there's the, a huge variety of Syrahs that are made from here and they're all true to type. They just happen to have a little bit different weather, a little bit different soil, um, and they all ex- have different expressions. So. As far as vineyards go, like Napa, it's like you can't afford to not grow cab. I remember interviewing a dude up there, Tim Kroll, with the terraces, and uh, he just loves growing so many other things, but of course he like does his cab here, there, just to like keep it going, but he doesn't want to grow all cab. I mean, and he's one of these unique dudes, but because sometimes you just want to go cha-ching. Can Paso ever become Napa in that way, where there may be varietals that are just so cash crappy that they're going to inhibit farmers to not want to grow anything else? 
Yeah, so I, as I said, Syrah, I was in my head thinking, you dummy, you grow 33 varieties. You just upset, you know, 4,000 yeah. acres worth of clients that you told them <laughs> to plant Cabernet. <laughs> no. uh, Let's so, fix so, that. Go so, ahead. Yeah, so Cabernet Sav is, is an amazing variety. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, no, I, it could, right? I mean, any region, what, what you're talking about, though, I think is more a marketing and a perception issue more than a viticultural issue. So I, as the, as a farmer, I would say this region has the ability to do a myriad of varieties extremely well. And I think the, the, what I, the sense I get from the people that we're working with from, and then from looking at, at winery owners like, like Josh, I think as long as they remain committed to having a variety of wines, a diversity of wines, and don't get caught up in a, well, we're going to make, we're all chasing a, you know, a $300 bottle of Syrah or a $300 bottle of Cab. Viticulturally, this region will sustain and prosper with diver, a, a wide diversity of varieties. Right. So I, and, and you know, I, I grew in, in Napa Valley for, for 10 years. I grew Pinot there for, for half of that time, and it did great. I mean, people don't realize that, that a lot of varieties can grow real well well there, and probably some of them have, the sacrilegious, probably some of them would do better than cabs have in terms of their their trueness to sight, their typicity there. But the perception, to your point, you know, your, your marketing and perception of what is the highest and best use, you can't do anything but cab. You look at that great per ton price, and cab is 2x, 3x most other varieties, 5x some of it. Here, and Josh was speaking to a little bit about grape pricing, it's not necessarily on its head, but I would say that I can think of off the top of my head four varieties that people pay more dollars per ton than for than for Cabernet. You just read my mind for my next question. Yeah. What are the, the varieties that just get top bank here? High-end Syrah, um, Morvedra that doesn't suck, Grenache is creeping up, but not quite there, Cab Franc. Um, if you get if you can find high end good cab franc, um, that's pre, it's it's pretty limited. I'm looking at you. What other what other things do you pay top? What do you, what yeah? What do you what, what, what do you, you, what get, do you uh, get in top dollar for? The, the for sure the Syrah the Syrah and the Grenache I can't I just have I could like beat people off of this yeah like, yeah no I don't have it I don't have it um some of the white Rones yeah um, some mm. of the white Rones are getting Roussan, they're getting Marsan. they're getting really hard to find or, you know you can't find you can't. You want pick pool blanc? You're not, there's not a plethora of it out right. there, right? If if you can even get it, right? You might it might not have retrieve a high end dollar yet, but no, the, it doesn't. The availability uh, is. If not I would there. have planted claret blanche, you know, three years ago, right? Right, yeah, right. ballers, right? <laughs> no, and then and then d- let's not d- let's not uh, go against the elephant. The, the Cabernet Sauvignon, the by right. by far the largest planted variety here in Paso commands very good money as well. I mean, it, well, it has for it, decades, it, right? I mean, yeah, Napa's I mean, been getting Paso Cab as Zin yep. to, for many, many years, right? Correct. And so, so good sites, especially um, some West Side stuff, but I would say even Cab might be one of those few varieties that price point wise transcends the 101 in terms of being able to sustain a higher price. So it goes, our, our West Side, East Side generically is, you know, West of 101, East of 101. You can still get top dollar for cab as you go further into the East, um, whereas some of the other maybe esoteric varieties or some of the GSMs, the higher prices are some almost entirely limited to the to the West Side. If you had a blank check and could buy property in any of the... This will get you in trouble. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> any one of the the 11 sub-AVAs and plant whatever you chose, 
where are you where are you going? What are you planning? Just for a little project. No, no, no. yeah, it's a great thought exercise. Uh, one, I would plant uh, virgin ground because I, I would um, love to be able to look at the soils, amend the soils, not be encumbered by whatever the previous farmer had had deigned to be best. Two would be uh, in the, it would be isolated from other vineyards. Um, same same conversation about resiliency, virus, everything else. Like you neighbors, that earlier conversation we had, like just be out there isolated so you don't have to, to, to worry about what your neighbor's doing. Mm, that's correct. And then it would be someplace that, that is um, cooler at night. Um, if I could get, you know, no greater than 80 or 85 degrees during the summer days. So now you're really limited. Wow. You're yeah. talking like York Mountain or even further yeah. west? Yeah probably, yeah, probably York, probably maybe the cooler kind of hollows of, of Vineyard Drive. Yeah. You know, kind of what some folks have done out in Chimney Rock. The issue is the further you go down into some of those pockets, you get really cold. So it's right. got to be so higher elevation. I'm getting pretty specific here. I know. It's true, though. Yeah, you can yeah, be yeah. out there and, you know, deep cloud mine, willow, you know, vineyard stuff, and you, it could get real cold. I, th- I, th- I think Russell thinks I'm coming for his vineyard. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've basically described his site. Yeah. Right. What is, um, what are we growing there? Grenache. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd probably be Grenache. And, and, but again, if this is just for my edification. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you can make wine and you and I can drink it, the three of us. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, to some extent, I, I did put some money on the line. My, I have a family ranch out on Vineyard Drive, lower down, and I actually did put Cab Sav and Cab Franc in it. I think it's bordering on where things are riper now, um, but we we planted some of Jada a long time ago. We planted some of Denner even when we planted Denner. Um, Cab can get ripe there, and I think in the future, I think that's a good long-term bet. I, w- I want to be the guy in 15 years from now when you and I are, are looking at collabing on a Cabernet Sauvignon saying, like, I have the oldest, still, you know, d- correct, um, right. grown well, flavorful Cabernet on you, the west side. You have to come over to the winery. We have Cabernet off a of cloud mine that... It can get it gets ripe, yeah. And it, so, I, and you're even better off, I think, than yeah. yeah. Uh, we're right yeah. in the middle of the Templeton right. Gap. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at Justin at Chimney Rock yeah. grows a great one, right? Right. right. You no, know, there's Randy. Distinguish the difference between climate and and weather. We talk about climate change and and what what is happening, but it feels like sometimes headlines or social news feeds. If it's a drought, it's climate change. If it's too much rain, it's climate change. If it's fire, it's climate change. Like everything is so with with like taking the apocalypticness out of it just having a true lens. This is what I love when I talk to like a meteorologist like John Lindsay or something and differentiating climate and weather and really what are those patterns that we're seeing and how does, you know, I mean, we're seeing like a lot of like stuff in the Rhone Valley, like at 14.5. Now, like things are changing, of course. How do we see Paso changing? So the, the keys to weather, what, when we talk about weather and what we're concerned about as, as developing a vineyard or in, in a growing season, it's, it's first and foremost, it's, it's temperatures and it's, it's moderating the extremes. Um, grapevines, you know, past 95 degrees, past 100 degrees, they they, they will start to um, stall their engine. They'll start to slow down and, and you know, become either less mature or stunted. Um, so you want to avoid high temperatures. You want to avoid the cold temperatures. This past April and May, we had some pretty terrible frost in some ranches. Um, so, so first and foremost, it's finding a moderate climate. So if, if I, again, if I had to choose, and there's some research on this, at 72 degrees, 68 to 72, if you could have a grapevine 
that could grow in a greenhouse, you would put it at 68 to 72, and you'd put it at that for 24 hours a day. So one of the things that we, we often think, and, and we touted in, in Paso as a Diurnal temperature shift. Yeah. Um, yeah, not as big a thing as, as as I think some people love to say. Mind blown emoji. Oh my god! What is going I, on? Tell me. The, no. I thought the thing little ship was everything, dude. Oh, Josh is shooting daggers. At me. Did, <laughs> did I just kill your marketing yeah, tech sheet for your you, wine? You just killed everybody's yeah. marketing. <laughs> you better call Gibbsy. Delete that. <laughs> You're in Toronto downstairs. I know. Kill he's you. Oh, like <laughs> Toronto and I have had many conversations. I want to hear no, this. No, but talk, talk to me about diurnal temperature shift and why might it not be the biggest player that we all think it is. Easiest answer to that. A we talk about a high diurnal temperature shift. That's great. It cools down. You know what? And for someone listening, the diurnal temperature shift sure. is like difference the difference between, between the hottest hot and the coldest cold of the day. Yep. So think about that. To have the highest diurnal shift and be proud of it means you have to start at a pretty high temperature. High temperature is not great for grapevines. So I understand why people are excited about it, and I, we absolutely want it to be brought down. So. I love half of the diurnal shift. I like that last half of it. Mm-hmm. But the front half of it's actually doing damage. And in as you get towards harvest, those last 30 days right before you pick, that is driving your quality. You, you, could, be, you could have done the best 150 days up to that point. You hit all your, your moisture targets. You, you got the canopy just right. Your leaf architecture, everything is perfect. If you get hot temperatures for those last 30 days, it literally melts the inside of those berries. It melts your phenolics. You start to, to lose color. You get it, it, you get plenty of sugar. We've never had that issue. So Harvest 22. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Thanks for that scar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so diurnal shift, it, it, I, I think if we, we, the same people who love diurnal shift love it because it cools down. Right. And we, could all, we could all get on the same page and say, if it never got hot, we probably prefer that. And it's so just that, a deeper way of understanding it. I love that. Correct. Yeah. So, so I, and I've, I've gone on Jason's blog about that. I've talked to Toronto about it, and I get it. It it, it has a sexy appeal to it, and and cool nights do. Trust me, I, we live here. Like we love the cool nights. If it wasn't so hot during most of the August and September, we'd probably be a lot better off. I would but, take it. Yeah. Let's talk about 22. Josh, what was that like on you guys? <laughs> I've had people say oh, Bob Linquist, Coupe fame, Linquist Family Vineyards, Verdad with his wife. Adam, I've done 41 harvests. This was by far the biggest pain in the ass. I've, I've had many people, just he had the longest you know, record there with 41 harvests under his belt. What was this like for you? For us, we were, we didn't have, you know, knock on, we didn't have any big issues. We have a lot of, you know, we have over 30 acres of dry farm vineyard um, in the Adelaide district. So right there alone, that's low yields. Um doesn't require the longest growing season over on Kyler and Thibodeau Vineyard, a new vineyard with a real light crop doesn't require a huge long. So we were, as the summer was progressing and as we got to that heat wave, you know, the elephant in the room or as things really got warm, a lot of our stuff was already coming in. We were able to get a majority of all of our vineyards off and didn't have into any detriment. Um, I did, we do, at peachy custom crush and process some stuff for chronic um we do some stuff for a group out of texas who have vineyard out on uh las tablas and i did see some stuff come in that was you know it got to worth i I think with the heat wave was it in september uh, but two years ago or a year ago when people started panicking oh yeah um, i want to say it was like 17 
or you know, a couple of years ago we had an extreme a higher. Or they panic pick too. Panic pick too, exactly. Yeah. And I think this year we didn't have that as much, yeah. right? A lot of people were kind of were writing it out, and or it was just it what it is what it is, and people could only get to things when they could get to it. Um, I have heard of labor more, was an issue, right? Right, and you know, and that's you know, that's always going to be you know, we're just going to have to deal with that and work through it. I did hear a lot of a lot more wine issues where there were fruit fruit was coming in with, with there was so much desiccation and in dehydration and almost raisining in the field and to where when it, it came onto the winemaking side to where wine and you know winemakers weren't prepared for these ultra high bricks um people weren't really you hear it's a wine a lot of the it's a winemaker's vintage of right? course yeah um, if i had lot, a dollar for every time i heard that right one, yeah. and and i think it was a lot of people you know weren't paso is such a unique and special growing region to where you can only a majority of the time you can really just screw it up in the winery right the fruit comes in phenomenal and you just if you if you just know the basics you can get by doesn't make it being you're making phenomenal wine or anything but you're going to make a clean solid wine this year if you were on your a game and weren't aware and really didn't know how to do proper water ads or didn't really know how to do proper acidulation or didn't really know what it took to be able to do with this type of stuff i've heard of a lot i've i mean i've talked to the, the labs in town a lot of people don't, don't don't do their own lab work and the elevated vas and the you know That's some of the issues that people are bringing in and going well what do i do and it's like well you got a lot of work to do now if you can even get to fixing it or if you can get into legal thresholds. But for us, having it come in early and come in and being, you know, fortunate and having our own, that's having your own vineyards, that's a blessing, right? That's yeah. something that doesn't always, that's not for everybody. You know, it doesn't always work out that way. Are clients yeah. a pain in the ass in a harvest like this for you? Um, I guess they could be. I think, again, you're, you're ahead of it with communication. Um, you know, I had, we have 39 clients and, um, I had one for this is the first time it's ever happened. I had to tell him, he asked for us to harvest his vineyard and I had to tell him I was more than a week out. I said, it's probably 10 days. And it was during that big heat wave. And he's, he's been a client since he bought the property. Great guy. And I said, I'll put you in touch with some other folks. We have a counterpart. They have a, another farming company that does a lot of acreage around here. We had a, a whole nother client who I couldn't help, but I called him. He harvested one night. Then he had to go somewhere else. I harvested the next night. Then I had to go somewhere else. And then he came back and harvested. I mean, so there was a lot of that. And so you, you find Helping ways to be, out, yeah, yeah, you find ways to creatively get stuff through. But it was, yeah, to echo Linquist's comment, like it, it was the most difficult logistical harvest we've ever had to do. I mean, we, we, we we stay we bring out equipment we prep crews we have all these things for a certain period of time and then for all of it to be ready at once um, and double shifting and overtimes and just the stress of poor people get, yeah it's it's the the toll it takes on the people like you yeah. have to be careful and we have to put them first you know that's you know that's it all this other stuff it's like the we're crying a river about these big rains and mudslides and everything. And there's other people that their lives have changed. No, sure. Same thing when it comes down to these vineyards and, and I'm a grower and I've bought from growers and I've seen both sides. It's like, you got it. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It's okay. A couple extra days. Like yeah. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to be willing to maybe even say, okay, maybe we won't get it all off tonight, but we'll get a portion of it off. But when you start pushing 
especially all the handwork and the crews yeah. to where they're coming in and showing up to start at your place, but they haven't, they've been going all night long and they went till from eight at night till three in the morning. And then they start again at six. It's not, accidents happen. People yeah. get hurt. People, yeah. you know, it's not, you, it's, we have to be careful. Yeah. And, and to that end, I, I'll say that in my, this was uh, our company's 27th year only, but only my 10th year here. I've yet to have a winemaker, scream or yell or not be understanding of just the, the everything you just explained that, that we, there's a human element to what we're doing there's just there's this many hours on the day and we all are kind of walk going towards this common goal in napa i can i have lots of stories off air um that i'll tell you about where winemakers you know it'd be rain was forecast you know at the in the afternoon and they were in the vineyard screaming at my team at me get get this fruit to me get you you're gonna screw this up yeah yeah. oh man it was a much higher pressure and and less of a communal community kind of feeling than than less kind of caring what josh mentioned like that human aspect of it correct oh that's so interesting um okay before we start getting into pasta i want to talk about um this first of all yeah, the, um, the the rosé was So beautiful. we did the first date, or we did the first date, Grenache Blanc, 100% mm-hmm. aged, fermented in amphora. First, This is the Thibodeau thing. I get to experiment now. Right. I've never had an amphora. So it's another, dope. I'm like, oh, cool. This is fun. Tried that. Best day rosé, 100% Grenache rosé. First fruit off the estate. Super cool. I like the chalkiness. You can almost taste that high pH, high lime up there. That's mm-hmm. going to be a pain in my ass forever on that mountain. <laughs> Talking about Moved and getting its, you know, dick kicked in the dirt, put it on eight two you know, pH with high lime. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to be my nemesis forever. But just because carbonic Syrah, I've never made carbonic wine. This 2021 is my second time. Fun. Um, 100% carbonic. This fruit is off the Homestead Hill Vineyard, which is just on the other side of Ecluse, Sherman and Michelle Thatcher's other vineyard. If someone doesn't Um, understand carbonic maceration, talk about, one, just a a little glimpse into the process, but what it offers. I mean, a lot of bright flavors, almost sometimes bubblegummy flavors. You can almost serve it with a little chill on it. It's like a – well, so there's – that's a couple different things to talk about, but it is like a summer red, right? You want to – I want a Syrah – but it's summer. I don't want a big bang and baller, beefy one. But I like this. I, but I like Syrah. I want those characteristics. A carbonic one, almost gives it a Beaujolais esque type yeah, style. A lot of sure. people traditionally do with carbo- uh, Grenache or Pinot Noir. Right. So I said, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll do anything everybody else does. Yeah. So I'll do Syrah. Um, but it also has these fresh baked spices. It almost has yeasty smell, like the cellar, mm-hmm. like it's fermenting, but it's dry. Um, this, I, so essentially for carbonic real fast, you know, you take all the fruit, put it in a vessel, make it aerobic, blow all, anaerobic, blow all the oxygen out of it, dry seal ice. it up, dry ice, snow it with CO2, get all the oxygen out, seal it up and walk away. Mm. No SO2, no yeast, no nutrients, no nothing. Total gamble because you can't open it. You can't right. expose it to oxygen. You can't check it. Like you can't check the ferment. Like certain, yes. You can't check with the if it's even fermenting, much less what the sugar level is, what the acid is. Or, you know, you could do a, a pre, you know, chemistry on it and see all the numbers, but you're not going to do anything to it because you're just throwing all the fruit in there and sealing up and walk away. Mound it as full, full as you can. 
10 weeks later, it drops like two feet, three feet. So you get this natural <laughs> pressing of the fruit. So you are getting that juice starting to come up. So you're getting the color, you're getting the flavor, you're getting stem, you get a lot of stem tannin, a lot of yeah. unique aspect, but you're not getting any Ooh. without being punched down and pumped over and all things. You're not getting a lot of that concentration yeah, and okay. agitation and all those skin you're getting a little bit of it but then there's a whole top part that's when you open it up it looks like cotton candy almost this yeasty film all over the place there is a brighter kind of um fun aspect to carbonic wine it's super fun um it's unique maybe kind of trendy i don't know you're a trendy guy i'm kind of hip you know i'm trying (laughs) (laughs) no it is but it's great like i think of some of uh you know the ones that have kind of popped off whether it's like i think of like stoltman love you bunches or Mm -hmm. um there's uh, one in uh, lo-fi does a cap front carbonic i think these carbonic especially when you find one that's just like one a varietal wine done in a really fun way like this they're really exciting and you can put them in you know put them in the fridge for 20 yeah. minutes before you drink them or at least or or drink it however you want but like right. it, it delivers you this is great super fun um no new wood neutral french oak only for like yeah. seven months bottled mm-hmm. ready to go um this one the first vintage i did seven weeks this week this time i went 10 weeks so it has more mouthfeel i think it'll lay down a little bit and it'll actually be a little bit of it, you could cellar it for a while, which is exciting for a carbonic, not normally what you would ever even think of. Um, but yeah, and you know, it's so interesting. You and your brother came up with chronic, and it was very different than peachy. The idea, the visuals, the whole aspect was you guys, right? right. And it was really popular. You ended up being acquired. And, you know, that must have been really cool. They kept you on for a little while. But as of now, we don't have any, I mean, they're your client because you crush their wine right. still, custom crush, but you have no, you're not an employee. You're not part of Chronic at all. No, I did it for six years, stayed on. Was that the amount of time you were supposed to, or did they extend it? Five years, they extended it, and then we were going to extend it more, but we couldn't agree on the terms Yeah, of, you know, that. Sure, because what side. at that point is it like I want to be an ambassador? I'll, I'll travel, or or are they saying no? I want you to make it. Like why couldn't? You, what was the impasse there? They wanted me to keep a hundred percent, keep doing what I was doing, but they wanted to adjust my pay based on how much they sold. Nothing. And I was you. like, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it no, because I don't hire your sales team. Right. I don't work with your sales. I team. did that already. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, no, that's not me. That's right. not you. I, you I was like, you know, they wanted to change the base. I'm like, so how much less do you want me to do? And they're like, no. Yeah. Same, but, and they're still great people. No, they're sure. Still, yeah. you just, you, we, you, oh, just, people awesome. disagree. Great. Yeah. You can move on. Now, um, to what extent did that venture and acquisition allow you to do what you're doing with Thibodeau? 100%. You know, obviously, Peachy led helped, you know, what I learned from my family. Of course, yeah. Led go us to the saying, ability right. to go to do chronic. And then Chronic led to the ability to do Thibodeau. Was there a part of you that was like, what you did with Chronic was so huge, and you and your brother should be so proud of that. Was there a part of it, like, because you didn't do the vineyards and the way you're doing with Thibodeau, like, I didn't quite do it right. I didn't quite do it all the way. I want to do it all the way. Yeah, well, that is a, a big... I Yes, 100% of what has almost pushed me to do Thibodeau is because... Chronic had a, 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 it worked very well. It was a great marketing strategy. Fortunately, we had the history, so I was able to have access to the fruit, you know, to make those wines. And I could make 
badass $20 bottles of Sofa King off of fruit from the west side that you can't do anymore. No. If I had to do that today, I couldn't get that fruit at that price point. It's just, it doesn't exist. Um, so it's great timing, great marketing. And then, but at the same time, I was like, okay, we're doing this. We're, you know, we each step into the $40 price point with some of the DTC wines and stuff. But then I was seeing what my friends were doing. Oh man, what did that are, kill you? Yeah, what is, you know, who, <laughs> what's Donnie over at Turtle Rock doing? Dude. What's Scott at Torrin doing? What's, you know, Joey at Grey Wolf on his new stuff doing? And what's Justin doing? And you know, go, Eric, go run down the list. Edgar, yeah. everybody. I'm like, I, I, I want to do that too. I want to dabble in that and not worry about volumes. You know, I'm, I'm buying so you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of bulk as the chronic grew. And so I need truckloads of fruit, not bins of fruit. Right. And so it was a whole, I'm like, I need, I want to change. Did you know you wanted to set yourself up for acquisition at some point or do they just never. So the fact that you scaled the way you did almost kind of helped you because yeah. you ended up getting a, a check that was probably pretty, it, it set some other things up for you. It was totally, it was changed life. I mean, I've for sure, you know, we, what was the first thing you bought when you got a check like that? Does it come in one check? No, it doesn't. I had to, we had to make, we had a, as a part of our deal, we had to grow the brand as we were a, an employee of them. Oh man. So you got paid based on, okay, well, so it was sketchy. Sure. Here's a little dabble to keep you excited. Exactly. But here's what you could do. But in order to do this, you need to grow the wine club to here, the distribution to you got to still come with that same fervor yes. like it was yours. Yeah. So you think, it was, you think like, Constellation did that with Eric? Do you think all these acquisitions do that? Where it's like, hey, we're going to keep Eric in? just probably told him what he wanted. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, oh, God. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but it's such an interesting dynamic. Do you, do you go on like a big vacation? Do you, do you, do you, buy, a, you buy a house uh, or no. does it go crazy or no? I, I, we remodeled our house. That was our big thing. Oh. We had an old house built in the 60s mm-hmm. in Morro Bay. And so that was a huge thing for us and That's super incredible. fun. That's and, so neat. And, but then and bought our first rental. You know, that was cool. There you go. And then, then it was just horrid, just waited to do this. Yeah, and then set yourself up to purchase yeah. land. And it got on Zillow. Yeah. yeah. Got on Zillow and just played on Zillow. story. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And um, I bet it's really cool. Um, I think of like you and Gibsy and to have something with your partner. Yeah. It's, and with your wife. It seems it, really neat. It's super because I, you know, the family dynamic of Peachy Canyon, that's a huge history. And that's everything that started. And that's a lot of people. With mom, dad, brother, wife, my, fan, you know, All and then thing, yeah. to do chronic, that was you know less, but that was still Jake and I and Don and Gibbs, and then mm-hmm. I, I have had never done anything with just the two of us. So to be able to, you know, and that's not easy. Still today, we're you know, no, it's sure. as you know, it's it's a working with Gibbsy, you know, it's she has the hard part of it, the whole business between trying to market it and brand it. And she's learning right with all the legalities and distribution and opening new States and all that stuff. And I'm still like, oh, I'll have to go work in the vineyard today. Oh, mm. darn. I'm going to go to the winery. <laughs> Will oh. you guys butt heads on the way you see growth and in what ways growth is defined? Where we do butthead, like I Thibodeau and I believe in it and I believe in her vision of what she wants to do with Thibodeau is to be 100% online, never have a tasting room, (laughs) never have – she sees what the online world is doing and there's nobody – we're working with Biz IQ right now and 
coming and, and these people from Google and trying to really see and give it a shot. See if it'll work. I don't know if it will. Where we butt heads is I know tasting room. I know why people need to touch and feel and taste and talk. So I always go back to that. Like, no, we got to get a tasting room. No, we got to get a tasting room. She's like, she's like, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. We're gonna, so interesting. So we're going to give it a run. Uh, it's only been a year. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, that's, that's. Well, then, well, how do people like, I mean, I tasted your wine at Wine Fest last right. year, and I'm sure you guys are going to be there this year. If somebody is listening to us just rave about these wines, I mean, we've got two reds, a rose and a white. They're all just kick ass, great wines. How do people try them to buy them? That's the that's hard part. Every oh. once in a while, we'll throw it out there, we'll do a pop up okay. at the winery out at Peachy. Okay. So we'll, we'll set up, and we'll, but we'll do just literally. Oh, you and your group of four, and that's it. But right now, you make 250 cases, so it's probably easy. You probably sold out or close to. No, no, no. I mean, it's... There's room, there's room, okay. I've never... So this is, like, Chronic was such a genius branding, right? Yeah. It was before anybody in the wine industry here, especially, was really reaching out to people who drank Bud Light or Bud, you know, or didn't even know wine. Or, you know, we did marketing for everything the wine industry wasn't right. doing, so it, people just went for it. it here i mean there's a lot of people here now doing the, what we're trying to do with thibodeau on a winemaking and price point and high end and maybe not they don't all own a vineyard but they have their own place at tin city or they have their own winery i mean i it's one thing that pisses me off so much is like i can't get somebody to carry the brand because they say oh, there's not enough there's, right. I, it's not enough and i go how do you know there's not enough and then i go and then i'll, I'll go here's the scores Here's the Dunnick scores. Here's the Suckling scores. Here's the Ketman scores. Here's the write-up. Here's the podcast. They're like, that's awesome. People like rave about the website and the social media and all that stuff that Gibbsy does. And yeah. then they're like, oh, but you only made that much. I'm like, but yeah, I can scale it. Yeah. But I don't want to have if I if I scale it right away and then you don't sell it. Now I'm discounting it yep. to you to get it out there. And then now I shot myself in the foot and it, the brand's over. Right. I killed it myself. Yeah, I like and this is what you, something that taps into something you mentioned earlier in this conversation. But hey, just like wait a second, like you're fine to take a beat, collect and yeah. see what's up. When what you, you want 250 cases? Oh, that's a, just hold on. Like yeah, yeah. yeah take slowly. a few cases. Yeah, yeah it's the, it'll be sure. there. It's going. So we're. I've been doing this long enough. Right. Man. I'm not going to go. I've seen it and done it and lived it. Well, what are they worried about? It gets make... popular and there won't be enough for them later? Is that what they're worried about? Yeah. Or, or yeah. Or, yeah. You don't. It's like, okay, scarcity. That's how you build. Oh, sure. Want and need. Oh, yeah. I'll double well, I know people you. who go to a port and event and they say bring X amount of cases. They bring half that just so that shit runs out quicker. Oh, yeah. Because, like, what? what? Oh, hub is that a once? Yeah. Why? Why? You know? Yeah. You know? Right. We've all done I've it. seen it. Yeah. yeah so, that's so yeah. yeah. But so that's that is a little tricky and getting it out there is a little tricky. We've, you know, we we just got, you know, we've we have two accounts or three accounts on the central coast now, which, you know, is we are, you know, the backyard, Russell and Amy brought some in. Nice. The new Pacific Hotel in Cayucas, which is good for you. Dude, that's fun. That's if anybody wants to go stay in somewhere cool, go to Cayucas, the new Pacific Hotel. They should stay up there for Blendfest. Yeah. That sounds awesome. The um, region's going to bring it in. Cool. You know, in, in March and do their thing. And, and then, slow, right. Yeah, and slow. And so it's, but. Like here, I mean, there's so much badass wine. Everybody wants to be an LPC. Everybody I wants know. to be here. So in, until you've, you know, 
as the wine as the vineyard gets better, more established, the wines are going to get better. I can't change that today. They're young vines. They're going the wine's going to get better. So do you want does she want to be DTC or or a little a combo of stuff, no. but if it's DTC it's only online. DTC, that's her 100% dream why how the brand will be eventually, but I'm like oh, I like to see it out there. Yeah, no, I want to sure. go see some here. Well, yeah. So, yeah. There's no. nothing cooler than like shoot when when Ember had our peak pool on there like I would just I just like looked at the, the PDF of the menu and just looked at them like <laughs> right. stop it like, right it's just cool to see it on a menu right. it is and it's even I'm like a, you know when I I'm giddy about it still it's like yeah. a, this oh, I can see an excitement new, this little exciting new little thing and it's not I mean this was 80 gallons yeah know, right 30 Isn't cases it funny to see like I mean you've been around the block have a lot of experience both you gentlemen do. But to have uh, just a lust for something that's so exciting and new and you have the same like face that you probably had, you know, 20 years ago when we started Chronic or, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? That's really oh, neat. Yeah. Totally. And I still do it about Peachy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Peachy's got such a bitchin' thing going with the Vineyard Desinets and all the dry farm stuff and Kill the wines coming off there and that crew and... I love seeing what Chronic's doing still too. What where they've taken it? Is it hard to like see what a brand does knowing you can you can't do anything about it? Like you have there, there's that. And I've talked to like some of the different folks who've or I mean, shoot, we had a podcast with Eric and Constellation. He seems like he's doing all right. But I mean, is there like this, this little bit of like ah when when yes when they change the imaging and the oh, branding yeah. and the, they've changed the package quite a bit and they're gonna I from what I've heard they might change it a little bit again. And this is a this is my theory only. Yeah. This is in the corporate world when sales get slow, it's easy to blame the branding or the yeah. imaging. You're not the it's it's not harder to yeah, it's not the salespeople's fault. It's not this you know, the score Kip's doing a phenomenal job with Chronic still. Yep. You know, he's sourcing great fruit. He's getting fruit from Randy. He's getting fruit from, you know, out in the Adelaide still. He's getting fruit all over AVA and still doing good job. But it's when it, if sales kind of change, you know, and all the people in a corporate and, you know, WX is just like Constellation or whoever, you know, they're spreadsheet people. They're just looking at numbers and scheduling and everything. And, well, it's not quite working. Change the package. See what that does. And then I Does go, it take oh. some of the heart out of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I swear, this is just another theory of mine. If they went back to the OG original imaging when it was a lot more raw and the colors were, mm-hmm. you know, it would, all it would of a sudden, kill. it would kill it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You just gave him free advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's all you can do. <laughs> That's so interesting. Uh, you guys both sit on the board yes. of the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance, uh, the executive producers of this podcast. Uh, what is it like to be on this board? Because Paso, Randy, I mean, obviously, you could take Paso the last 10 years and look at the change and be amazed. Last 15, 20, you could last four years. I mean, like, it's so incredible the strides that Paso is making and to sit on a board with the folks responsible for how that message is delivered has got to be really, really exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's really humbling, actually, because it's, it's a group of like-minded folks who aren't... Um, there's a mix. There's, there's winery owners, company owners, there's executives for, um, you know, large wineries, there's staff for smaller wineries restaurateurs restaurateurs i mean you know i knowing some of the boards and and some of the other marketing associations you know north of us there it's more of a honorary position or or a you know they've done this for this many decades so that's why they're here and and 
something that's exciting about this, uh, about the Pastorables One Country Alliance is everyone down there is passionate. Everyone is speaking their mind and giving their thoughts on what is going to propel Paso forward. Everyone speaks brand Paso. It's, there's not a, well, Thibodeau is the best or, you know, and I just wish all you guys would come along with me. No, it's, it's everyone going like, I know this would be good for us, but I think it's good for you guys too. Or I think this could help the region as a whole, or, Hey, let's invest in, you know, bringing groups in marketing in that spot, traveling to there. Um, I think Joel does a great job um, kind of assimilating a lot of our ideas, some of which are definitely need to be assimilated into the trash. Um, but, but <laughs> for the most part, you know, he and a, and a very small dedicated staff, um, I mean, they, they are killing it in, in building and bringing the Paso brand and its reputation to, to the masses. And it's, when I say humbling, I mean, it literally is humbling. Like I, I am the grower in the room. I don't have a dog in the wine sales fight necessarily, but the success of Josh, the success of everyone here in Paso drives fruit sales, drives production, which drives fruit sales, which drives my client's success. So I'm sitting here listening to everyone's passionate pleas and efforts to grow this brand, realizing that they are all, you know, by, by their efforts, they are trusting and giving, they're, they're voting uh, uh, in faith that we as the growers of Paso Robles can, can produce the grapes and, and keep that quality ever growing. So it's... It's fun. I, I, it's, it's, I'm on a bunch of boards, and I, I really look forward to this one. And I sit next to Josh every time, too, because we, right? we just crack jokes. <laughs> Where do you guys do your meetings? Do you have a gavel? Like, how does it work? What you is, do have a gavel. Nice. Do do? It is, yeah, it she, is she's very, brutal. Yeah. yeah. You, like, in the city council room? Like, do you have your own hollowed, like, cave oh, underneath? Right downstairs. Under, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you become president, we're moving the meetings up to here. Right. This would be so yeah. much better. Heck yeah. I feel honored to be a part of it. Um. My dad always kids that he couldn't get voted on. They made they banned him from being on the ballot. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, the the days of the Paso line, the PRVGA, right? Um, those were screaming matches. Like those Damn. were. It was very heated. Um, it was like Tupac and Biggie, just like Gary and was, your dad. And well, it wasn't. No, they. I don't. They weren't. Gary was on the board. I, I'm hundred percent positive. My dad never was, yeah. but. You know, back in the day, everybody, I think, it was growing. It was so raw and new, and it wasn't really like, what is the vision? What are we trying to do? What Are there growers here? Are there hotel? You know, it was, what are we promoting? What It was Paso Wine Fest, and then it was Zinfest, and then it wasn't Zinfest, and then it was like, it was a lot of, tr- everybody, they were, I don't think the feel was a rising tide. It was trying to make everybody happy mm. as a member because the membership was a lot smaller. Right. Right. So we got to remember who Adam is over on Kyler Canyon and make sure he gets his traffic or he gets his spot in the park where he likes it. Or, you know, so it was, I mean, we were driving right into the park in the truck and unloading a few barrels, putting a piece of wood on it and popping the tent and let's go. Right. It was so raw and new that it was kind of, Maybe it wasn't not necessarily unexperienced, but it was. They were learning. It was a l- big learning curve, and it was trying to make everybody happy. To where now it's, we're fortunate to have a board of guys like Austin Hope who travels the nation doing events and coming back here and go, 
we need to change this event. If we're going to make, pack, yeah. we need to raise the bar and this is how we're going to do it. Or, you know, Jason Haas or, and then getting new Maggie Tillman, who's got a oh, ton of energy her. and, you know, she's new, she's coming in. Oh, great. Cool so we've her. got new, so, and everybody is open to what each other brings to the table. And yeah, like Randy said, we sometimes have dumb ideas and Joel rolls, rolls he does roll his eyes. I've heard him roll, <laughs> seen him roll his eyes a couple times at us. But, um, but, but really to be the envy of a lot of us, asso- in fact, the associations below us and above us. Yeah. I mean, the, the Santa Barbara, and I've had winemakers from Santa Barbara County tell me this, but I mean, with extensive familiarity, 30 years in Santa Barbara County winemaking, um, just talk about the cohesiveness and the brethren of the Paso wine scene is unlike anything else. I mean, you know, Randy, from being in Napa, how different it is. I mean, it's obviously a very special mission that folks back in the day with your dad, Josh, and Eberly, people said, hey, we're going to promote Paso above anything else. Yeah. I mean, look at the, how special is it that, that there's not a separate grape grower group. Like our Wine Country Alliance represents the vintners and the growers. You go to some other regions and you will find distinct, disparate sometimes at odd groups um, yeah. that are, are fighting for each of their own piece of the pie. And, and I think the energy we see at, at the PRWCA um, hopefully is reflecting, you know, everyone's efforts here and everyone's wishes to see kind of brand pass will be brought out to the world. And, and it's, you know, I, I again, as a, as a grower, I'm, I'm, I do more of the stuff on the technical side and the growing side, but, you know, the efforts they're doing to bring people to Paso, I know they're doing a, a – I think they're doing an app-based yeah, launch here in the next app, quarter. The new wine fall. I mean, th- there is, yeah, yeah they, they are always thinking, that they being the, the staff of the PRWCA, how can we make the, the experience in Paso, how do we draw people in? How do we then educate them on, on you know, what's available here? What are the different spots? You what know, we're about. Hotels, yeah. What are we about? And then, and then following up and understanding how to help our region improve how we're providing that experience and service. And so it's, you know, th- this is a great time right now in January to visit. I mean, this is, it, it's somewhat of a quiet time in the winery, somewhat a quiet time going around, but I'd say, I'm looking at Josh, you know, pruning seeing people prune seeing being out in the vineyard that's maybe top two top three most prettiest things you can see in in, in the vineyard world yeah um and just being able to kind of be in this quiet time oh it is with restaurants now like this is a time to come here for sure yeah 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 uh, let's talk about Winefest, Josh. Uh, it changed last year. Reimagined. We did a little bit differently. Really exciting. So bitchin'. What do we see for this year, and what do you see as Winefest becomes, you know, Winefest 2.0 now? I think, well, Randy will correct me if I'm speaking that term. I mean, it, it, our vision is a really a food and wine event. So we're really raising the bar and bringing, you know, world-class wines that we have here and then incorporating our world-class food as well. This year, with you know, we moved, which we were all scared to do. I think for a long time, we talked about it for years and Moving years. Moving from downtown, downtown City Park to, to the, the fairgrounds, yeah. Um, and the vision that Joel and his staff had to, or how to lay it out, and the new signage, the music, the food, and it was an increased price to get in. But I think that brought it allowed us to bring in the funds to be it definitely able to dials do in your demo. It did. It, cool. it did. It did. And it allowed them to do what they wanted to do to raise the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this in, and it worked out phenomenal. And then next year, I think we're, you know, it's how do we make the food even better, more accessible? How do um, the experiences? Yeah. 
do we look at, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it. Do we, how do we incorporate our local distilleries? Yeah, I know we're doing or, that. You know, Jen's mentioned that on my morning so show that I we're bringing the spirits out there. The spirits, yeah. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. So that's, you know. But I think you're onto something there. I think we are too. It's, it, it's, again, it's raising the bar. And those are part of our organization. They're a part of, you know, Alex has been a, the distillery has been a membership, a member of Refined, the, yeah. yeah. Refined forever. And so mm-hmm. we're all, you know, how do we, in order to be, we still want to be who we are, but if we want to raise the bar to like a taste of fail or Aspen food and wine, we got to step it up and that's yeah. how we're going to do it. What's well, funny because we talk about what, you know, your dad and Gary and some of the forefathers of Paso wine and the movement began was like promoting Paso. And right now in 2023, Paso is not just wine. It is of course beer, but now yeah, award-winning nationally recognized spirits. Yeah. It's really a movement here. And, and I think Paso wine is just so forward thinking and on point to like back in the day let's bring it all under let's bring it all under paso because the more people understand we're seeing what the hotels are doing and especially with this travel paso spotlight that we are um into here on the podcast there's so much going on as far as experiences and places to stay yeah and i mean don't discount i mean think about those forefathers if you were to go tell your dad back in the day by the way, there'll be Michelin-starred restaurants here that right. are right. <laughs> willing, you know, showcasing their, their food alongside your wines. Like that's just I'm gonna crazy. say Justin was almost that was too long. I'm so glad that Justin finally got their Michelin star. But I was almost wondering, like, I'm surprised that it wasn't sooner. Like they have been doing fine dining out there for a long time, and it's just cool now. Paso Robles has two. Michelin star restaurants and the county in Paso's got another several Michelin mentioned right, right. guided restaurants yeah, yeah, yeah. within I mean, Bloom LPC Hatch right I mean it's incredible I mean pe- people who visited are in the know like they, they understand yeah. what we can showcase they understand that this is going to be a weekend or a week experience that they're going to enjoy we've gotten to sit my wife and I and we taste and travel around you sit with people from other states they're like no we purposely plan like a week in paso i think what the the wine fest is doing is it's giving a venue for those people who may not have considered spending their weekend here or spending a week here all of a sudden they see that oh okay well i'm gonna it's gonna be a, a you know great wines great food experience you know i i can make it, it's a high-end uh, event that i can attend just because it's like this or that they're gonna get here they're gonna experience it and they're they're going to become Paso fans. I mean, that's, yeah. and that's what, I mean, Joel and his team and, and the board who supported it took a big swing. I mean, it was, I mean, a bit under the hood. I've, I've been the treasurer for, for a couple of years now at the PRWCA and it was, and now it was an, it was a, a large commitment and it was scary for all of us to say, no, this is where Paso's going and this is what's going to propel us. And, and it, it worked. It worked. It actually helped me get a winery to sign up who hasn't been a member for a long time, who used to be a board member mm. to come back when I had the conversation. About, really? They're like, so why should I? What am I, what am I, why do I want to be a part of this? And yeah. Told them about the app that's coming out. Told them about the wine fall. I told them about wine fest. Told them that. And I'm like, dude, it is happening. You can come along with. Yeah. Be along for the ride. Or you can sit back and kind of, and he was like, I'm in. Yeah. That's I'll so cool. There. Yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting. I can't wait to see what Wine Fest is uh, gonna bring. It's so cool to see. You can just go to like the pod, the Apple Podcast app, and read the reviews that people will leave for this podcast, and see why Paso is so special. Because people will one, it's so cool for you guys to be here because people will listen to this and say that they feel like they're sitting in this empty chair 
with this empty glass and it's them there right. with you guys right here but also like they're planning their next trip to Paso it creates a fire in folks it's really really exciting Paso still has all the same authenticity and the grit and maverick aspect that made it so special and so fun uh, it's still the wild west in many many ways but now with decades under our belt we have folks like you josh who were you know born and bred under this scene and now have risen and now in your own rebirth right with start the, over though yeah it's the coolest Round thing three and then like <laughs> ranty to come the way the way you did and have experience up there in napa and now here and be such a leader in, in what you're doing here it's like it's exciting paso's really lucky to have the both of you guys and both of you guys really embody what what paso is all about it's awesome that you guys are on this board and it's super cool that me uh, that maggie is on there now now. she's fantastic yeah. she's uh just the, all the right amounts of crazy i just love her yeah. she might have to join our little corner of the room i know oh i yes. think definitely yeah she <laughs> you'll only we would, we would get off the rails so fast <laughs> you'll only laugh and smile more <laughs> yeah to spend more time with her she's so good and the the show that we did with her the podcast with her and riley you i just, was I, laughing a lot yeah, I, I literally <laughs> like I, I could just have disappeared and it would have made no difference so uh thanks for also i mean obviously you being on the board have uh you know given in a lot of ways blessings to what we're doing here with the podcast and it just means so much because it's really taken off i mean we're seeing numbers that are just like what like you know top 10 wine podcasts in the country sometimes number five number four it's really i listen to all of them over uh, and mm-hmm. it's sometimes i'm gonna be like if there's a lot of people here no now, sure right? there's a lot of new brands and new restaurants and new ambassadors yeah and i'll, I'll go to like oh, i gotta listen to this one i have no mm-hmm. idea who this even is and yeah it's super bitching it yeah. really brings you into what's happening here when folks Paso. like you do that and listen it means so much and i'll get texts from like bill armstrong from uh, epic and he'll be you know somewhere wherever he is in the world with work he will like do, just listen to that one with wine folly man it's really neat to see what the guests of this podcast are willing to just like explode with and bring out it's it's really That's fascinating. Cool. So I got to say thank you so much. Uh, the wines again, Thibodeau. What's the website, Josh? ThibodeauWinery.com. Grenache Blanc, the Rosé. Grenache Rosé. Oh the so Carbonic good. Syrah. And this last one is the Bedfellow. 100% <sighs> Syrah, 50% whole cluster, 50% traditional D-stem, foot tread, 50% new French oak, 94 points. Dude. Uh, Matt Kevin. Well, it's it's happening. This is a great one. I got I got size fourteen. If you want some great foot tread, I have some foot <laughs> tread. I can I can fill earn me a bottle of this. Uh, this is fantastic. Thanks. Thibodeau, say the website one more time. Thibodeau ThibodeauWinery.com. And let's spell it's- it. T-H-I-B-I-D-O. I'm so glad that you spelled it simply because or else we would have been. Is there like yeah. an O-U-G-H? Like, who knows? No, yeah, no, no X's. No <laughs> silent X's in a brand. Please, okay. thank you. Um, give my love to... Gibbsy, yeah. No, but of course, but also your mom. Yeah, mom's great. Dad's great. Good. Jake's great. Everybody's hanging. Peachy's kicking ass. Chronic's kicking ass. Everybody's good. Vineyard Professional Services. Uh, give us the lowdown how people can learn uh, more about you and, uh, and the like. You know, I'd probably probably default instead and say you don't actually buy vineyards on Zillow you, you buy vineyards on JennyHeinson.com there you so, go oh nice so, yeah yes. so my wife sells real estate vineyards and wineries here locally that's probably the best way to engage are you guys uh, besides Gibsy and Josh you guys might be the ultimate power couple or no, besides like maybe uh, Billy and Janelle like there's so many power couples here <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll give that to Billy Manu yeah. and Manu uh, <laughs> and Manu Jordan, Jordan. Uh, oh that's yeah, a yeah. tough one. Oh my gosh there's yeah. so many great power couples here um, that's really cool so uh, how do what What's her website? Uh, JennyHeinzen.com. I will so tell you. J-E-N-N-Y-H-E-I-N-Z-E-N. 
JennyHeinzen.com. She's really good at what she does. I love it. She's not allowed in the vineyard, but but yeah. <laughs> got a restraining order against pruning our yeah. but, uh, <laughs> Oh, I love this. This was such a fun conversation. We got to do this one again, guys. Cheers. Cheers. So much fun for sharing where wine takes you. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is done. in the trees. It will simplify good company. Love that chat. Thanks so much to Josh and Randy Ford. And make sure, hit up Randy's wife if you want to make the move and get out here. Let's do this for real now. Come on. Check out the show notes for any and all those websites that we mentioned. Okay, so for our Travel Paso Spotlight, it's back and I'm excited. This will let us connect you with places, people, things to do, ideas that just make Paso such a special place to visit. Let's meet Michelle Barrera and learn all about At Her Table. Uh, good to see you, Michelle. How are you? I'm so good. How are you, Adam? I'm great. Happy New Year. It's great to actually catch up with you. I know. It's been a while. I know. You have a good New Year? Oh, yeah. And I had a surgery, so I was at home with Ray, but yeah. it was a great New Year. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you healing up? I'm healing up ever so slowly, but I'm really thankful to finally get this surgery done so I can start running around the Central Coast again. Yeah. Well, I mean, if folks don't know, at Enjoy Slow on Insta has i mean how long how many years have you been doing it now i'll say four that's it yes it feels like it's been i mean you have such you've so entrenched yourself and i just watch you with so much joy as you and your big smile are all over the place with your phone and just like in this and that and i've picked up so many things like oh my god i'm gonna go get these video tacos or oh my god i'm gonna go do this so it's so joyful to watch you just have fun and spread the good word about our county and our area I love it, and it's just been such a blessing. I could not do it without everyone in this community. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you need to in this area is really good at kind of honing in on authenticity and who's real, who's really got that like fire and zest and gusto about what they're doing, and they could see through bullshit a lot, you know. So um, I think it's so cool that you. I mean, it feels like you've been doing your thing for a long time, and and entrenched in this area a while, and it's been four years. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> How many followers you got on IG now? Oh my gosh, like 25,000? Damn. The last couple of years, you started something at her table, and this, like Enjoy Slow, started very raw, very real, and it came from just like the soul of Michelle, right? I mean, it was, it's so neat how this kind of came up. Talk about where at her table where you were when you wanted to do something like this. And then we're going to get into just what it's turned into because it's exciting. It has been a wild journey without her table. It happened on accident. I was trying to learn how to make a luxury to go box here on the Central Coast and I ended up reaching out to. Is Dina. this like during COVID or something? Yeah, it was during COVID. Of course, right. And I reached out to Dina Sampson of Rosso Blue in L.A., and she was just so generous. She taught me how to do the to-go box, and she said, hey, have you heard of Regarding Her, which is a women's organization there? And she's like, you should think about her. Do something like that on the Central Coast. And I looked at it. I was like, this is badass. This is amazing. I need to do this. And there was an issue. Uh, March was coming up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Women's History Month. International Women's Day is coming so I only had three weeks to throw the entire event. It was madness. Wow. And this is what, 21? Yes, 21. So right, we're just coming into like the year anniversary of like everything being shut down. Things weren't even fully 
back real quite yet then. And you're like, oh, let's put this together. And you have less than a month to do something. What did you do? And really, what was the, obviously, we're focusing on and paying homage and celebration of a woman-owned businesses, arts, culinary expertises, artisanship, right? Yeah. And it was amazing because what ended up happening is I reached out to all the restaurants I knew that first year. We got 30 people just threw it together. People were like, I didn't hear about it. What is this? And it just exploded the next year. We went to 120 members. Now we're at over 250. We've incorporated vacation rentals and hotels because our goal will be to expand and bring visitors to our area. This is really cool. Uh, We're focusing on women-owned businesses at her table this year. March. March 6th through 12th. This is a week of stuff. Yes. What is going down? And there's really a lot going on. It's really exciting. It's so exciting because we have over 40 events happening. The women are pumped because they're telling their stories. And I think that's what's different about At Her Table. It's not an event where, hey, we just throw a bunch of businesses together. No, we tell. It's the same as Enjoy Slow. We tell their story true. We let people know who they are and, and shine light on their faces and The entire community is welcome to celebrate. We want men, women, everyone to come and celebrate a woman in their life, whether it be your mom, your grandma, your daughter. Uh, Everyone's invited to come out. What this has turned into is really, really something special. People need to go to athertable.com. You got to check it out. It's a great reason to come and visit. Michelle, give us a taste, a little taste, a little sampling of what we got coming up this March. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. A little taste of something so big and delicious. I, I don't know. <laughs> so a couple of great events that we're having. Um, Rachel Ponce, she's going to be opening her restaurant in Tin City. I cannot wait for this. It's going to be so sick. It's called the French Room. Yes. Because she's from Chicago. That's her roots. Yeah. She's fantastic at what she does. And the French Room, I got to tell you, this is going to be the new-ish for sure. But she's giving you kind of like a sneak peek. Yeah, absolutely. And then she's also bringing different winemakers in the area, and there'll be a violinist. Edible Slow Magazine is teaming up with her. It's going to be a great event. Cool. Toast Tours is doing the first ever Tin City walking tour, which is so needed. How many people come to visit and are like, where's the Tin City walking tour? I know. That's a great point. We're having our Untamed Dinner. That is our headlining event. It's going to happen at Barden Family Wines. Long table dinner, four chefs, four winemakers coming together for a night of celebration that happens March 8th, International Women's Day. That's the one I'm hosting with you. Yes, That's so cool. That's going to be so much fun. So much going on. You got the Street Festival coming back for a second year. Yes, we're so excited. Visit Atascadero has been so supportive and we're excited to tell these women's stories. I think it's so cool that you're working with these different organizations, Travel Paso. I know they have been instrumental in uh, really advancing at her table. Yeah, Travel Paso has been so amazing through their community grant program. We're able to get a billboard on the 101 this year. Stop it. They are the best. That's so cool. Yeah, we love what Travel Paso is doing. Really, I mean, look, Paso does itself and it's so authentic, but it really takes, just like Paso Wine, it takes groups like Travel Paso to really do a lot of this footwork and getting the message out and... um you see the results, you know, like with you, you see the results. So that's super cool that you're partnering up with Travel Paso like that. Love Stacy and her team. Yeah, shaka! <laughs> it's just so much fun to work with you, do stuff with you. Michelle Barrera is from At Her Table. You got to go to athertable.com. Check out any and all the events. Check out the whole vibe that she's got. Are we like a nonprofit? Yes. Good for you. 
This is so exciting just to see where this is going to go, where it has gone in such quick form. It's just like the good work you've done at Enjoy Slow. It just drips with realness and enthusiasm and pure joy. It's great to have you in and uh, to chat with you. Thanks for sharing on Where Wine Takes You uh, at her table. Thank you, Adam. You're the best. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Thanks to Michelle for the chat. Check out the good work she is doing, and I hope to see you there at her table in March. Again, at hertable.com. Well, wow, what a show. Do you like them when they run this long? I sometimes go, oh, you know, coming from radio, it's like you got this log and commercials and time constraints, and I just go, oh, just let it go. We're, we're here on a podcast, right? Then I think, oh, maybe it should be an hour like a show. Curious what you think. We just had too much good convo, and I don't want to cut it. I want you to hear all of it, so it's, it's tough sometimes, but if you are still listening right now, I know you're a real one, and thanks for being here. Reach out anytime with questions, comments. You could DM me on Instagram at Adam on the Air. Well, Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Digital fulfillment by Jamie Guzman. The podcast is edited, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Original music, good company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. You can follow them wherever you stream your music or learn more, moonshinercollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. Also want to say congrats to Eric Jensen of Booker, My Favorite Neighbor, Badger, Constellations Bad Boy. Now you can add Wine Industry Person of the Year to the list. Recently, he was awarded. Congrats, Eric. I'm so excited. Can't wait to honor you soon. I hope you're back on the pod sometime soon as well. So we say cheers to Eric, and we lift our glasses up. And cheers to you, too. Cheers to the new year and all the adventures, stories, and laughs we're going to share this year, exploring and enjoying where wine takes you. And give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company, give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify, good company, give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.